You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Happy anniversary. It's our 12th anniversary today. And it is very significant because we have been going on a little spiritual journey. Let's say a big spiritual journey, actually. Very, very big spiritual journey. <laughs> and we want to give the feedback to you today about what occurred, what happened, because it's actually very, very significant. And it was by way of a guided meditation, as it were, and the realizations that came out of it. So that you know what to expect, we have purposely broken this into three different episodes. And the reason is because it is so hefty, it is so, there's so much material in it that it wouldn't make sense to try and cram it all into one. It would perhaps be a couple of hours. So we're going to try and keep this to three reasonably short little episodes and hopefully keep the thread of what we have discovered and what our experiences were and what it means to you. Keep those intact through the three episodes. So let's begin, Angel Rose. What happened was in a deep meditation that I was in, I saw a number of dinosaurs and I know why they came in because the prompt to me really was to go back to the beginning of time. <laughs> and I'm very aware that the dinosaurs weren't the beginning of time, that time existed long, 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 long before the dinosaurs. But I think it was by way of a reference to my awareness from where I was at in that moment. And I think also it was by way of an analogy, as it were, because when you think of the beginning of time or first creation, to us as children, what we're taught in schools is that that's kind of the oldest, it's the farthest back we can go. The age of the dinosaurs. The age of the dinosaurs. We know damn well that it goes further than that. But mm -hmm. for my understanding in the meditation, though, I could see these dinosaurs and especially a brontosaurus. And it was huge. And I like as a man size looking up at this monster and a monster with the huge bearing teeth coming down to eat me. And I recognized that the brontosaurus had a motivation and that was to eat. Its only motivation was to eat. And also I got from that, that dinosaur that it had to be the biggest. It had to be the strongest. It had to be the most vicious. Why? I asked the dinosaur, why? I said, because otherwise I'll be eaten. Mm. So it made sense from, let's say, from a physical evolutionary point of view that it would strive to be the biggest, the strongest, the, 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 the most vicious in order to survive. Mm. But with that, though, I wasn't completely satisfied because I know and you know and many of you will know that that's not the prime motivator for consciousness and spiritual growth just to survive or just to be the biggest and the baddest you, you can be. So I looked at the dinosaur and I recognized that it also was craving evolution, was craving some kind of further growth. And when I asked it if it was possible for it to work, operate from the heart, 
didn't even know what that was. It had no concept of what the heart was, what compassion was. And I recognized that what I was looking at was an evolutionary level of awareness, like a, a, a plane of existence, as it were, a conscious uh, plane. And that plane really wasn't very enlightened, mm -hmm. I have to say. Survival. Survival. And I asked the dinosaur, what, what did it, what would be the ideal if, if it could have it? What would? And it was to operate from a place of love. And in that place of love, it wouldn't need its bulk, it wouldn't need its ferocity, it wouldn't need any of that. Immediately, it morphed into a bull. Mm. Now, I know people will understand this, and they won't think that we're crazy when I say that first it was a dinosaur and then it morphed into a bull. Some people might regard us as being totally off the wall. But nonetheless, <laughs> a bull appeared. And it was like the Wall Street bull. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Wall Street bull. And that's what it looked like. It was strong and 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 really, really tough. You know, um, they talk about bull markets and bear markets and that kind of thing. But it was a tough, muscular bull. <laughs> and what I got from the bull was that we were talking about the age of Taurus now. And in the age of Taurus, we were at the, uh, the brinks of the Iron Age in lots of ways, uh, Celtic men. Celtic people and marauding and taking over other uh, cultures and expansion of humanity on the planet and all of that kind of thing. But it was all to do with war, all to do with physical strength, all to do with prowess in battle, all to do with armor and all of that kind of thing. Now, sexuality, sexuality, the bull, too, perhaps mm -hmm. that could be part of it. Yes, 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 virile indeed, yeah. Yeah. So that was the kind of label I was getting from this image of the bull. And when I recognized that, that we were talking about Celtic times, immediately I saw a warrior. Now, this warrior plays a very essential part in our story. And the reason he does is because that warrior is me. That warrior is you. But that warrior to me, because it was my personal experience, was that he had just been hit by a sword or some other weapon. So he had fallen to his knees. Now, I want you to paint this picture in your mind, as it were. This is a Celtic warrior, a breastplate, the leather armor, leather gear on, uh, leather... I don't know what you call the kind of, they're not really boots, but you know, they come up to your calves, up to your knee, and they're tied with leather tongue and that kind of thing. He had a shield in front of him, and he was leaning, having been hit and fallen to his knees, was leaning on his shield, knowing he was going to die. The shield was tarnished with the blood and the gore of the battlefield, and whereas it had originally been polished shiny before mm. going into battle but now it was tarnished mm. so this was highly symbolic for me and i was mm. trying to make sense of it now at that same time though angel rose recognized that if that was me and i was the fallen warrior what did it mean to you in terms of being married to me and taking my name yes and it brought back a memory hannah when you started to do 
ancestral healing paintings. And I had just simply asked you one day, what does O'Grady mean in terms of if there was an O'Grady shield with right. a Latin inscription, what does that Latin inscription mean? Yeah. And what you said to me was, it means vulneranus non victus, which equates to fallen but not defeated. That's the meaning so, of the Latin inscription on our family crest. Fallen yeah. but not yeah. defeated. Okay, that's yeah. correct, right? So here was I seeing the warrior fallen but not defeated, but I was tapping into what he was thinking, and he was thinking, I have failed. Mm. I, I have there's a vulnerable part of me that the enemy found and struck me in my vulnerable part. It's like my Achilles heel. Mm. There was some chink in my armor. So I had all these great defenses around me, but yet somebody found a way to find my vulnerability and strike me. Mm. And I fell. Mm. Now, why is this important? It's important because not only could I see it in my mind's eye, I could see the whole scene unfolding, but I could feel it also. And I could feel the sense of defeat. And I could feel the sense of uselessness of battle, the pointlessness of it all, knowing that all my focus of attention, all my, my purpose was about defeating the enemy, was about surviving. Mm. And, and here I was, all of it about to end. Now, we're just going to leave that with you for a second. Keep that image in your mind. And let's pop off on a different little up-to-date current story about a trip we made to uh, the Lake Edinburgh. No, no, to, to Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh we, Castle in yeah. Scotland. Yeah. We went to Edinburgh Castle. We were collecting sacred earth waters around the world for our Sacred Earth Waters project and for our website and for you. And we had collected waters from Newgrange and the Hill of Tara and Stonehenge and various places around. And we were going to Edinburgh Castle to collect the waters from the Stone of Destiny. And for those of you that are not familiar with that, I would highly recommend you look it up on YouTube. Look for the Stone of Destiny in, uh, the, in Edinburgh Castle. Now, there are stories, we won't go into them now, about that stone originating uh, in Ireland and prior to that originating in the Holy Land, they say, and the significance of the Stone of Destiny in the bigger scheme of things. But we won't go there just now. In the enclosure, in the glass enclosure, in Edinburgh Castle, open to the public, was the Stone of Destiny. And right beside it were the crown jewels of the Scottish royal family. And amongst those crown jewels was the crown, the sword, and a scepter. A scepter, and this was the queen's scepter. Mm. And you tell the story from there, Angel Rose. What happened with the scepter? Well, I went to make the stone of destiny water, and to my surprise, the scepter spoke to me, and it said, "Do you have any idea what it takes to be royalty?" And when it said that, I got an immediate emotional response to that. In other words, I understood. Um, completely what it was talking about and what it meant was that it was a to be royalty was a particular frequency band first of all it wasn't just genetics but it was 
uh, it had carried huge responsibility to it, huge weight, if you will. So it wasn't all about power and control. No, it and wasn't. Money. It was about being able to carry um, the weight of so many people, first of all, and the responsibility of so many people, and um, just that it was a particular type of energy that could do that. Right. Okay. Right. A particular. Yeah. Um, yes. People, I guess, is the best way to say it. So that scepter that she's talking about was a long scepter, perhaps about I don't know three, four feet long, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And had a, a natural quartz crystal natural ball quartz on the end. Crystal ball and the end. Yeah. Now that With same other scepter, I saw beside the warrior. Mm-hmm. The fallen warrior was holding a scepter, uh, standing up on the ground like that. He was holding it. But what I saw very clearly was that the scepter was a specter. It wasn't real. He thought it was. Mm-hmm. This was the this was the, the striking thing about this mm-hmm. was that he was holding on to an illusion. Mm-hmm. He believed it to be real, but he was holding on to an illusion. Now I want to also leave that there for the moment because we're also going to let you let that sit in your memory and in your awareness for a moment because we are going to come back to this. We need to pop off now to another story that unfolded with us that all starts to make sense. The whole picture starts to knit together. We were at a beautiful lake on the in the west of Ireland. Actually, it was in County Limerick, which has also got very close to it, the largest stone circle in the world. I think there's 133 stones, mm-hmm. standing stones, around this stone circle. And very close to that, is a beautiful lake that Engel Rose called the Lake of Enchantment. That is its name, isn't it? It is now. <laughs> it is now. It always has been. As I far. thought that was its name. No? It I think could it be. is. It but we made be. a water essence out of the Lake of we Enchantment. Did. We did. Yeah. And at that place, there was a little museum with the history of that place in terms of a shield that was discovered in the lake. Uh, a long time ago that they had on display. It was quite large, wasn't it, huh? Yes. So now you can pick up from there. So we went into the museum at this place and we, we admired this shield that had been recovered from the, beneath the water. Beautiful shield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously when they originally took it out, it was tarnished and they polished it up and they put it on up for the museum for all the visitors to view. Mm-hmm. Now... In my meditation, going back to the fallen warrior with the tarnished shield, I was guided to ask, what do I need to do to to bring this shield back? I I want to polish my shield again. For some reason, it was very important to me. And and all these people kind of came out of my dreamscape, as it were, to take the shield. And I immediately reacted to say, no, 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 no. I can't let you, it's my shield. You can't take my shield, you know? Mm. And I got the guidance to say, no, let them take it. Let them do the work because they'll take it and they'll polish up your shield for you. So I did that. And it was like, it was an effort of the heart to let them take my shield. So there was Mm. symbolism in that too, but I did. So they took the shield, they polished it. And here we were at the Lake of Enchantment now looking up at this shield on the wall, highly polished, that was from the Celtic times, that was owned by a Celtic warrior. Mm. 
And I'm starting to put two and two together here saying, whoa, that's my shield. Mm-hmm. Immediately, the shield turned into uh, a sun disk. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Egyptian history, but um, Akhenaten, I think, wasn't it? Who yeah, the solar disk. The solar disk. So this shield turned into the solar disk, the sun disk. And I'm going to come back to that also in a few minutes because it plays a huge part in the second part of our story. But again, stay with that for a minute. And I'm just going to refer to my notes because I need to remind myself of exactly what went on here. Okay, so... uh, Right, so the next question was, to go back again to the original question about the origin of humankind, the origin of creation, back to that first point of, of, of creation. And there... I saw this original ball of light that contained all things, contained all thoughts, all manifestations, all creation, all of everything. And inside of that were the experiences of everything. But particularly, I could see the experience of us as two beings, uh, one being that wanted the experience of having a masculine, powerful side, a warrior side, a strong courageous, outgoing, masculine side. And the other aspect that wanted to experience the female aspect that was loving and adoring and nurturing and creative. And those two aspects, in order to experience that, went into the physical, split themselves into the experiences of those. And in that moment, time began. So they took themselves... So originally it was the unity. Originally the unity. And then... Then the thought came, I'd like to experience yeah, we, strength and masculinity. In unity, we have these aspects, but I want to right, explore want more into that. Into one particular aspect. Into one particular And impulse. the female did that too. And the female did that too. And they split. And they split. Now, mm-hmm. in that splitting mm-hmm. was the original fall of man that we now understand, mm-hmm. but also was the original twin flame that had come from the original ovum of creation into the two entities. Mm. That might sound grand, great, that you have divine male and masculine and divine feminine. But in fact, there was huge grief because now you had an element of separation, first of all, but you also had mistrust. I was with you one moment and now I'm not with you. You're not with me. You went off a different... You did something different. Mm. You're not with me anymore. So there was an element of this trust was broken. Abandonment. abandonment. And we will follow this thread of abandonment as we go through the story. But bear in mind, at this point in time, I was recognizing the words trust also had a, a H in it. So it was thrust, like thrust of a rocket. So it took energetic thrust to create this separation. Mm. It's also connected to the word truth. So here we had truth split in two. Mm. One with one version of what it claimed to be the truth. One with the the other focus of what it claimed to be truth. So there was a mistrust of what this truth really was. That Mm. was being downstepped. Now, 
they both remembered, of course, the unity of it all. And this is the point about present-day humanity. People recognize that there is this memory there somewhere mm. of at once being with God, but we're, we're separated. Mm. And it's such a vague memory, it's very difficult for anybody to, to really pinpoint what it feels like, because if you felt what it really felt like, you'd be, you'd be there. Mm-hmm. So it's a vague recollection that you, you were part of that unity at one point in time, but now you're not. Mm-hmm. Because you choose, I choose, we all choose to experience this separation, we now are guilt, guilty. We feel the guilt of it. Mm-hmm. And this is what the religions have taken and really ran with and exploited. So you're guilty. Mm-hmm. You're guilty of everything. Mm-hmm. The mistrust in ourselves and in our relationships. We, well, I think it's because we think we split the unity, but we really didn't split the unity, but we think we did. Yeah, we think we did. Yeah. We, that's crucial that you should mention that. We, we didn't split. The unity is still there. The perfection of everything is still there. Mm-hmm. But we, as entities with cr- enormous creative powers, went to explore the particular manifestation of that quality of the unity of that quality mm-hmm. and thereby we start continuing to downstep so time was born mm-hmm. guilt was born mm-hmm. and with guilt comes fear fear and punishment well the fear of punishment fear of punishment so this is where we start now saying oh god's going to punish me for mm-hmm. having made that choice Right. For having separated. To, yeah, to branch yourself off into an individuated self. Yes. Now we feel guilty for that. Now we feel guilty. This Because it's only one aspect of this focus. This is the original sin. This ah. is the original sin. So now, let me refer to my notes again. Okay, so now, in, in looking at the manifestation of that, I then started to realize that the, the manifestation took on the physical form of the human body. And there were some degree of tweaking and twisting and, and, and orchestrating and engineering with that. And we won't go there for the moment. But broadly speaking, mm-hmm. there was these seven chakras that we're familiar with that caused the spiritual animation of the body. Mm-hmm. And we're mostly familiar also around the world with the fact that the base chakra is the red chakra to do with creation, to do with childbirth. The physical world. The physical world, to do with manifestation, uh, and it's also where fear is based. Mm -hmm. So now, in that red chakra, I'm seeing that this is where I, as the masculine warrior and the, the female, divine female will have its own experience of what that feels like in the female body. But in my experience with the male body, I'm seeing in the, in the base chakra, I'm seeing the, the necessity for survival. I'm seeing the dinosaur come back again. I must kill other things, otherwise they'll kill me. Mm. I must eat and consume other life forms, otherwise they'll consume me. Mm. And I must live in fear because of others trying to consume me. And I must stay in this guilt place because, well... I deserve to die. I deserve to die. (laughs) I I, I made that choice. You know, and no amount of saying I'm sorry is fixing it. 
this is what's interesting, and this is an essential and crucial point that we will get to as, as time goes on, and you'll find where this all starts to fit together. So here I am in the base chakra, feeling guilty, punishment of all kinds around me, threat of survival all around me, and realize that this was the beginning of the experience of the human condition. So now, I recognize then that that split into a kind of a the beginnings of two waves of understanding, let's call it, where one was the masculine side that came up as a wave, almost like a vertical sine wave, as it were. So that came up on one side, and on the other side came up the divine feminine. Out of the base chakra, there was these two waves that came up, one male, the other female. So one wanted to keep the power and the, the control and the domination and the power and all of that side of the male aspect. And on the other side was the creation, the, the uh, divine female, the nurturing, the loving part. And they came together again out of that desire to come back together again. So you can see now the beginnings of the Kundalini, the images we have of Kundalini as it comes up and it comes together and then it goes across the other side and goes up like this, like the... What do you call it? The um, caduceus. Caduceus, yes, which we're now familiar with in the field of medicine. Okay, and if you were to follow that story back on its own way, you'll realize where that came from: the snakes, the black and the white, the good and the bad, the positive and the negative. So here we have this aspect that's been created. So we wanted to come back together again, and we did. So we came back, and in that moment of coming back together, it created the second chakra which is the sacral chakra, which is to do with the sexuality. So here you have male and female coming back together, experiencing sexuality for the first time. So now we have a hint. It's also the emotional body. The emotional body. And here we have a hint of the Adam and Eve story. Mm. Okay, with the beginnings of the snake and the kundalini. Mm. So now we experience that sense of unity again together, albeit momentarily. So it's a momentary experience of the unity. But because... But why is it momentary? Because we also remember the guilt of having separated in the beginning. So the male aspect doesn't trust the female aspect. The female aspect doesn't completely trust the male aspect. They're coming together because they know there's been a separation. But there's this little sense of guilt that runs down through them that's, that doesn't quite trust all the way. And doesn't quite forgive all the way either. Because I'm blaming you for leaving me. <laughs> I know. But this is what happens. Even in and the, the male blames the woman for leaving. In, in, in every relationship, there's this tiny sliver of, can I go all the way? Can I be completely trusting? Can I trust to the ends of the earth? Can I be... Now, there are some relationships that do go there. And they are blessed indeed. But in the majority we're talking about, in the physical world, in the world as we know it here in the 3D... So they separated again, and that then they, they crossed over and they separated to go on up into the next chakra. So and these are lifetimes, probably. These are perhaps they? their lifetimes, mm. perhaps their planes of existence, mm. perhaps their experiences, because we do now know that all of this can be experienced in one lifetime. But we will come back to that. So now, but their levels of consciousness, too, levels of they? consciousness, their levels of consciousness, their awareness. Mm -hmm. So here am I now in this construct coming out of the sacral, and I realize 
that we're going to we're going to have to come together again. I feel the coming, the necessity of mm-hmm. coming back together again into a kind a of a pseudo actually. as a longing, as a longing of the heart for love and for connection and for union. Mm-hmm. So the divine male and the divine female come back together again into the solar plexus chakra. And in the solar plexus, we know solar meaning sun. And as soon as I recognize that, the energy of the solar plexus, boom, the solar shield of the fallen warrior came back in front of me. And I could see the solar disc, the shield of the fallen warrior, now polished up, now perfect in its design, now full of the energy of creation. It came right into my solar plexus and embedded itself there. And that was a beautiful feeling. Mm. And it was a feeling of, it was almost like a feeling of invincibility. It was like enormous power. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a negative power. It wasn't like a power and control that we might perceive in politics and things like that. It was it was a power of knowing, of mm-hmm. a power of awareness. It was a power of having evolved. Mm-hmm. It was a power of knowing how intensely and amazingly creative we are. Mm. So that had a a beautiful sense of uh, celebration around it. Then, of course, the necessity was to split again. So the Kundalini is where the waves of the male-female aspects crossed over again, separated out all through those uh, um, planes of existence where the guilt was there again, the punishment, the separation, the longing, the loss. Well, let's talk. Can we talk for a minute why they keep separating? Is it because they're not ready to to go back to unity entirely? I think it's because the original impulse of to experience was so strong. And they still wanted to experience. But also, I think, yeah, they still wanted to experience, obviously. But I think also, along side by side with that, I think there's also the fear of punishment, of going back to full unity mm-hmm. because they're going to be punished by Will you God. be annihilated? That's be the question. You'll mm-hmm. be punished by God. So therefore, they wanted to come back into unity, but kind of pseudo-unity, a unity that, you know... They're not willing to give up the experience world. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. So here we are now. We're back in the heart. So we feel the love. Mm. We feel the, the unity of that but there's still that little spark of says, yeah, but we're not back in God. We're not mm. back in unity creation. Mm-hmm. We're not back in the bliss consciousness of it all. We're, we're together, but there's this little spark of mistrust. Well, you know, there was a time I remember, you know. You left me. I left you and you <laughs> left me. You abandoned me. I told you we'd come back to the abandonment. came out of the unity. We came out of the unity. So therefore, how can I completely trust you? How can I completely trust myself? Mm-hmm. So even though the feeling of the heart chakra is beautiful, it's, it's, it's blissful, it's not entirely whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what we experience in our physical love understanding. So then we had to move up a split again. These are lifetimes, I want to remind people. I yeah, think they are probably. They're probably lifetimes. Levels of consciousness and or lifetimes or both. Yes, and it's also why, uh, if we could just digress for a second, I think it's also why you might have people who are living in this present world in one particular awareness level of mm-hmm. consciousness. Mm-hmm. So they might be the warring factor. 
who only right. want to experience the, the threat, survival. survival, all of that in the base chakra. And then you will have another aspect of people who are into sexuality, pure sexuality, attractions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sexuality, and then moving up energy. Very energetic people are people who are into generating new forms of energy or using energy in all kinds of different mm -hmm. ways. The energy chakra, the solar plexus. And then you have people who are very heart-based and uh, philanthropists and mm -hmm. people who do good all over the world. And that's also very important, but they're operating at that level, perhaps not even aware of the fact that they may have come or perhaps not have come through the other levels. So there's still not a wholeness about it. Mm -hmm. Also, because they're operating at this level, they're not aware of the next level up. So the separation went off again and comes back into the throat chakra, which is all about truth. Now, I said we'd come back to truth. This was the trust that was violated. So we're seeking that words. Yes, we're seeking truthful words. We're seeking integrity. We're seeking political leaders who speak the truth mm -hmm. and, and are not finding it. We're, we're looking for our partners to be eternally truthful. We're looking for ourselves to be truthful. And we're not actually always there. We're not because we don't remember the unity. We're using words. We're, lo we're looking at the outer world too. Yeah validate us yes and in the case of twins and in soulmates we use these words i love you i love you i love you well most relationships do huh? <laughs> i love you i love you i love you but one would hope there <laughs> it's only words that you're listening to seldom enough do we get the demonstration of the full unity of what that really means <laughs> so there therein followed the next separation again often the distrust the experiencing on our own and back to come to experience the third eye and the third eye is all about seeing it's all about that visualization it's all about the imagination it's all about the creation uh, in in the visual aspect so here we wanted to see what that unity is like and as we were going up the chakras beginning to realize that we may be coming closer to this unity up here mm -hmm. we're beginning to see things more in their entirety more in their fullness than what we have before and before we get to the crown chakra, I do want to call a little short break here because I think it's necessary, first of all, to absorb what's been going on here, to absorb the enormity of this story. And also, like Hollywood does, to keep you in suspense because we've got a lot more coming with this story. Okay. So join back with us again as we continue on the story of creation, the creation of time, the creation of experiences, twin separation. flames, soulmate, separation, guilt, punishment, and the joyful return to unity. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World...